Hey, we had a Super Bowl party here on Sunday. If you were here, our blue bite in, let's see, let's see some hands in here. Okay. It was a fluid event. People came, they went, they came back. Collectively, there were at least 50 people here, 40 all day long at one time for several hours. We had some serious food. Look at this, look at this lineup here. We've got meatballs, chili, sausage, potato salad, mac salad, cheese sliced. Uh, there were sandwiches. There was a dessert table. You can kind of roll through those. It was unbelievable. We had uh, the tech team, unbelievable. A TV going in the commons, two out here. People were everywhere coming and going. I witnessed the flock literally meeting each other for the first time. Maybe you come to church, you sit here, they sit there. People got together, people got to know each other as couples. It was a terrific time. So we had a great uh, opportunity there. You got any more food picks there? Oh, okay. This was on the table. If you're interested, it's still in the commons, that one. Everything else is gone. Uh, everybody pitched in and helped out as regarding cleanup, we were vacuuming, we were cleaning tables, we had trash bags. It was really well received. Now, I've got to say, there was some concern about men's behavior at this type of an event. And I am happy to say that the men were just spot on, gracious, polite gentlemen, uh, nothing to be concerned about. They ate food, they cleaned up. They, it, was just, it was just wonderful. And I've got to say, we had at least 15 women here. So it wasn't just the guys. And they thoroughly enjoyed themselves. Let's take a look at what that might have looked like at the end of the game. They were seeing something. I apologize. I don't know what was going on. But the, the gals were enthusiastic. That's the point I want to make. They were jumping up and down. We had penalty flags. Thanks to Pat. We were, something's questionable happened on the field. They're throwing the flags in the air, picking them up. It was all good. A great game, but great fellowship of believers in this church. We had a terrific time, and I believe the consensus is that we're going to make this an annual event as long as it's done. So thank you. All right. Well, yesterday we also had an annual meeting. And uh, it was a great turnout. We had some new people come. And if you're not familiar with the format of our annual meetings, uh, it's really two sides of the same coin. We spend time celebrating and praising God for what he did last year in calendar year of 2023. That's also our fiscal year. And then we share a vision for uh, what we believe God wants to do uh, in 2024 and beyond. And uh, one of the things that I shared in celebration of uh, 2023 and even before that, has been really the growth and the impact of women's ministry here at uh, The Well. And uh, particularly recently under Kathy Bodycomb and her team, the faithful ladies that have come served in different seasons. Uh, I met with Kathy a couple weeks ago and, and, shared the, and she shared with me the calendar and the vision for women's ministry moving into 2024, and I'm excited about it. Um, but we really do celebrate, and uh, in much the same way of uh, a Super Bowl party, or any other the ministries here, the, the root and the core of everything we do here is relationship. It's relationship with the Lord, and it's relationship with one another. And uh, Kathy and her team uh, have done and continue to do 
uh, an incredible job ministering to the women here at the well and really in the, in the valley. And so what we wanted to do, we're still kicking off 2024, is do something a little bit different, is we wanted to carve out time uh, to let Kathy come up and share her heart, her passion, even the vision for the women's ministry here at the well. We know that uh, we've been blessed with many uh, new families that have come in the last year, six months, and so you may not even have had a chance to meet Kathy or the team and, and even get to know her and her heart. Uh, she is passionate in her faith and her walk with Jesus, and she's passionate for the women at the well to know Jesus and to know one another and to share the journey together. So, Kathy, why don't you come on up and share with us about women's ministry? Thanks, Richard. Never been introduced before. <laughs> um, well, welcome. Uh, my name is Kathy Bodycomb. Uh, uh, I am part of the women's ministry team, which includes uh, three other women, Sue Brzezowski. Do you want to wave your hand, Sue? <laughs> Christine Hodge, are you here today? And Cynthia Wilson are also part of the team. Um, and it does take a team for us to do what we do. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about what we do and why we do it um, to share that with you. So um, we believe that the women... Uh, together can have a unique uh, opportunity and roles in each other's lives. So we are carving out some spaces for women to do that, to minister to each other. We care about each other. We can listen. We can discover each other's stories. Um, we can support each other, and we can become friends. And our friendships can then, we can pursue the Lord together in those friendships. So the mission statement of the well begins, we are passionate followers of Jesus Christ. So whatever we women do to enhance our relationship with the Lord, we can build um, strong character. We can build being strong Christian women. But the purpose of it is, is to have a strong body. It's not just that the women are more um, growing in their uh, relationship with the Lord on an individual basis, but that we contribute that to the body as a whole. Um, so the women's ministry, uh, that we do encourage each other and give back to the body, and we have just kind of created some ways to do that um, through Bible studies, uh, through worship time, through prayer time, uh, through serving in our communities, um, and just even fun events. We have some workshops and just kind of fun events to get to know each other. So we've done those, and as our team, we have um, looked back on last year and said, what did we do? Did it work? Did it not work? You know, and very generously, the Lord has blessed those times last year. So we're kind of doing some of the same things we did last year, this year as well, and adding some new things to that uh, as well. So a couple things kind of getting to our announcement here is um, we are going to have a worship evening, March 16th, uh, 7 o'clock here at, uh, in the Commons. Um, and that will be kind of our first event for, uh, uh, for the women. Uh, we do have more things planned. Um, so we're still working on all those things as well. The other thing is we have developed is a women's uh, survey. So we'd like to hear from you what you enjoyed, what works for you, uh, how you can fit in, how you can become part of other women's lives, how you can give back. 
uh, to the church or to the community. Uh, so we want to hear from you. They're in the back on the back table as you leave. If you grabbed one coming in, feel free to uh, fill it out while Richie's speaking. But just, just kidding, Richie. <laughs> but... Um, but we'd like to hear from you. So please fill this out. Um, we'll also be distributing them to you. I'll just grab anybody, any woman I can see, and give you a copy of this. Uh, it'll also be online. We're working on that. Uh, I think it'll be up this week sometime. But it'll also be, if you go under women's ministry, there should be the same form that you can fill out online. But if you'd like the hard copy, grab one, fill it out, bring it back, either give it to me, somebody on our team, uh, just kind of hand it to somebody, it'll get to me. Um, but I wanted to um, encourage you with two things um, to the women. And one is uh, to pray. Uh, a very wise person that I live with uh, said to a group of uh, men recently, um, it's about a, kind, of, kind of in the context of just living, just life, um, it's about your heart and your choices. Um, and there is no better place than in prayer uh, to not only just to talk to God, but a place as in his presence every time your attention is turned to him and your heart is turned to him, that it will not it will change you every time. It'll reveal your heart. It'll bless your heart. Um, it'll align your heart. Um, there is no better place than in his presence to bring your mind and your heart, but in the presence of the Lord. And I know it's difficult when you work full time. I know it's difficult when you have kids. It is nearly impossible when you do both <laughs> um, that I know. So, um, but be creative in thinking about having a place, having some time to just spend time with the Lord. Again, just bringing your mind and your heart and your attention into his presence. Um, and to do that regularly, not just when, you know, things are not going so well, but just on a regular basis to have some time with the Lord. And the other thing is just to read the Bible, read scripture. There is no other place to, more to find out who God is than reading um, in the Bible. Um, it's 66 books, almost 40 authors, over almost 2,000 years, and yet it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, so read scripture. Find out who the Lord is. Read a gospel. Find out who Jesus is and what he said and what he did. Find out what the very first believers did and what those leaders of, those, of that group the letters they wrote to other churches, find out what it says, and then go back to the beginning. How did this all start, and where has God intervened in human history, and who is he? Who is he like? Uh, uh, Jen Wilkins wrote a book, The Women of the Word, and I love this line that she has in it. The heart cannot love what the mind doesn't know. So please just dig in, find some time again to pray and to dig in uh, to scripture and read a little bit of scripture on a regular basis. So as we're grounded, as we grow, as we flourish together, uh, women's ministry is here to enhance, if we can, your relationship with the Lord, but also to bring us together as our body. Why don't we say thank you to the worship team? That was wonderful.
Thank you so much, man. We are blessed around here, aren't we? Man, when people make themselves available to the Lord to use their gifts. It is an incredible thing. Well, welcome. We are continuing a series that we just started last Sunday on grace. Grace, it's a familiar churchy word, and some of you might use it before a meal, time to say grace. Uh, sometimes you might have heard grace uh, meaning God's riches at Christ's expense. Some of you might have heard that before. But we're looking at, at grace. What, what is grace, right? And uh, I was reminded of the challenges, even in the context of, of, of Christianity and Christendom, of the challenges of grace. On, on Thursday, uh, I had the privilege to do a chapel down at a Christian school in Ventura for middle school and high schoolers. And uh, I started my ministry journey in the, in the 90s in San Diego doing high school ministry, and that's what actually brought us to Ojai in the summer of 99 to do high school ministry at the community church. And I was there uh, Thursday morning. It was just after Valentine's, so I decided to speak on biblical love, right? What does love mean? And, and as the students were coming in, I was kind of just sitting back and just observing and watching. And you know what's funny? Teenagers are still the same. They're still the same, right? You, you get the ones that get there early, and they're at chapel, and they want to sit towards the front, right? And then you see the ones that kind of hang out together, and then you got the cool crowd, right? The last two rows, like the cool crowd, I, you know? And, and it's so interesting, even in the context of a Christian high school, uh, that it's still easy to get caught up in performance and trying to win people's approval and in the academic world of merit and demerit and, you know, trying to fit in and belong and try to figure out, do I earn a place in this crowd, right? And I spoke a little bit about that, that biblical love is really self-sacrificial love for the benefit of the other person. And, it, and yet in high school and middle school, some of us are, you know, ultimately kids are looking to belong in a sense of love. Um, but it can be very merit-based, well, if you want to belong to this group, here's how you got to dress, here's how you have to talk, here's how, here's how we do things, and as long as, you know, you merit our favor, you're in, and as soon as you, you know, cross the line, then the tribe's going to vote you off the island, and we're going to snuff out your lantern and be gone, right? And so even in the Christian context, growing up, even in a Christian school, this idea of grace can get lost in the dailiness of it. Right? So I'm talking about biblical love, which relates to grace, and yet I'm realizing that these middle schoolers and high schoolers are in an environment in a Christian school that's anything but grace-centric. They're still trying to merit, and everything is still based on performance in the classroom and in with their friends, right? And then uh, a few weeks back, I had a wonderful conversation with my daughter, who goes to a Christian college in Montecito, and... Uh, you know, we had a good conversation that even in a Christian college setting, the, the challenge to not get caught up in the merit and demerit performance system, you know, nothing wrong with necessarily wanting to do well academically and pursue a career unless it starts to mess with your spiritual relationship with the Lord and now it's challenging your identity it's challenging your peace, your joy, all the fruit of the Spirit, because even subtly in a Christian college, which is designed you know, to, to enhance your relationship with the Lord and to send you off you know, uh, into a career, you can inadvertently still get caught up 
in a merit-demerit performance-driven mindset, which will impact your joy, your peace, your contentment. So that's a great conversation. And then I was thinking, even here in church, how easy it is for us, even in the adult world, in the world of church, to still get caught up in the merit and demerit system. And last week we talked about why, why do you do what you do as a believer? Are you still trying to merit God's favor? Or are you really enjoying God's grace and what you do as a manifestation in your service and in your giving and in your stewardship is really coming from a place of celebration of God's grace? Or have you still have you flipped it subtly? We're going to talk a little bit. Uh, so we're going, to, we're going to move. You know, I, I said last week the, the, the doctrine of grace is like this big. And so, you know, I, I said last week to a word picture for me anyway of how quickly to move. It's like trying to, you know, get a cup of water out of a fire hydrant, you know. It's like, how do you take a drink? Because it's just like, and so we're not in a hurry. We're going to take little baby steps because it's, it's so much more than tucking away more knowledge about what grace means in an academic intellectual sense. It's really, we're going to take it slow because it's really what grace means at the heart level. What Mark and Kathy were talking about, what the songs were about. What does it really mean to receive God's grace, to live in God's grace? You might know what it means here, and you might even assent to it. You might even say, thumbs up, right? Like, hit the like button, right? But are you living it? Are you really living God's grace? And so last week we had this working definition. Grace in simple terms is God's unmerited favor and supernatural enablement and empowerment for salvation and for daily sanctification. That's kind of a very simple, basic working definition that you're going to probably see every Sunday. And, and it's helpful because in Second Peter it says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So it's something we're called to grow in. If you want to be spiritually mature, if you want to be more like Christ, Second Peter says you're to grow in grace. Not just, you know, it's not a VBS thing. It's not a, I got it. I know what the definition is. Are you growing in grace? Because Sinclair Ferguson says, spiritual growth always involves understanding, appreciating, receiving, and enjoying the grace of God. If we just left that up there and we, what we talked about each of those, are you? Do you? Especially that last one. Enjoying the grace of God. Are you daily, as a believer, enjoying the grace of God? And if not, this is the series for you. Because you might have a light shine on your relationship with Jesus, and you might go, oh, I get it. When I first came to Christ, it was all grace, and it was exciting, and I was enthused. And then over the years, what happened? Maybe what happened was you stopped growing in grace. And because you stopped growing in grace, you stopped enjoying grace. You stopped enjoying it. You stopped enjoying Jesus. You stopped enjoying coming to church. And now it slid into checklists and performance and do's and don'ts, right? And suddenly, over time, you're no longer enjoying God's grace. 
And why was that, right? I like this quote. It says, the principle of grace is as fundamental to Christianity as that of justice is to law or love is to marriage. Christianity cannot be understood apart from an adequate grasp of grace. The doctrine of grace distinguishes the Christian faith from every other religion in the world, as well as from the cults. Rightly understood and applied, the doctrine of grace can revolutionize one's Christian life. And I said last Sunday, and I'll say it again, that last statement, rightly understood and applied, the doctrine of grace can revolutionize one's Christian life. I said last Sunday, that can happen to you right now. And I'll say it to you again this Sunday. If God speaks to you right now, you can leave here revolutionized. Like literally. Literally. God, Randy talked about the Holy Spirit speaking to everybody here. He knows where you're at with, with the Lord. He knows what you need to hear if you're at home live listening to this, if you're listening to this recorded. Literally, if God speaks to you through his word about the doctrine of grace, you can be transformed before you leave here. Some of you, your name might be written in the book of life before you leave here. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? When, when we meet at 8 o'clock uh, for our planning meeting with the leadership and all the ministries and we talk about the roadmap, it's never lost on me that what we do here, and you hear us say it now more frequently, we celebrate every Sunday that we're together because it matters. And for some, it matters for eternity. And that's an understanding of grace. Every Sunday in, this, in the grace context of salvation, eternity happens here. Someone's eternal destiny can be changed by God's grace every time the word goes forth. Amen? We can never take that for granted. We can never stop enjoying that. The Bible says when one sinner repents, what happens in heaven? Woohoo! Right? It's a woohoo party. But in the church, sometimes people get saved and you're like, hey, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Why, why is it in heaven? They're celebrating one sinner repenting. And in, on, on, on earth, someone repents and we're like, oh, that was, that was really cool. Yeah, that was neat. Where does that happen? How do we become so numb and so cliche and so routine about someone who was on their way to hell, now on their way to heaven, becoming passe? <laughs> Please don't ever let that happen. Amen? Amen. You got to celebrate that. For others, and here's, let me, let, me, let me help you enjoy grace. Celebrate it for you. If your name is written in the book of life, if you have put your faith in Jesus, if you have received God's grace, right now, you're allowed to enjoy it. notify your face, right? <laughs> Enjoy God's grace. I, it's so funny. We, we tend to mix up in the church. I've been doing this 30 years. We tend to kind of like convolute somber and serious. Now, heaven and hell are serious matters. They're not necessarily... God, be serious. We're at church. What are you doing? I'm I'm serious. You love, I love Jesus. I love him. I love him. But I'm serious about him. I'm so serious about Jesus. Come on. Enjoy Jesus. Amen? Amen. You're allowed. Where did it not become a, the Super Bowl? Amen. Right? 
the Super Bowl. We didn't sit here and go, shh. This is serious. This is a serious game. Serious. Just sit there and watch. No. Touchdown. Yeah, right? Or boohoo, depending on which side you were on, right? Just at the end, right? In fact, uh, you know, uh, Amanda was so cute. She came here with the Chiefs, right? If you were here, you saw that. She, she's all chiefed out thing. And she was just loving it. I love Amanda. And her daughter came. She was sitting in the comments. I think it was the first touchdown of the game. She's, you know, just watching. She didn't really know who scored, but it was the 49ers. And she had brought pom-poms, and she jumps up, woo! And Christine, who was all chief, says, what are you doing? That's not the Chiefs. And I was like, oh, but she was laughing so hard. It was so great, because it was just fun. We were celebrating, amen? Please never stop celebrating your salvation. Please never stop enjoying God's grace. Just don't. We, we've lost it. It's become so academic and so somber. Grace is crazy. And, and, and I'm hoping you're going to see this. As we move through this, some of you might go, that's nuts. And it is nuts. It really is. There's two sides to the grace coin, right? There's salvation and sanctification. Last week, we talked about the craziness, the supernatural craziness of the grace of salvation. Ephesians 2. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We talked about that. We we can go, that's great. Do you really believe that for you? We talked about last week the challenges of that verse because some of us are still desiring to try to want to prove that somehow we were worthy of God's grace. If you're still holding on to some goodness in you, this much goodness in you that you think merited that for you, you're still not there. You still are struggling with how lost you really are and were. Right, uh, Chris, I think you're on slides, right, Jordan? I'm going to mess with you guys. I'm going to, can you, can you find the verse one of Living Hope? When we were singing this, I was like, okay, thank you, Lord. This is going to help us understand grace a little bit more. So, uh, all right, awesome. So it says this, how great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could, thank you, in, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. All right. That is somebody who is lost and who understands their lostness. You get it? How great the chasm. It is so great. I am desperate. There is nothing I can do. I am as helpless as can be. There is not one iota that I can contribute to resolving this problem of this chasm, right? Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. If you understand that verse, for you, you're going to understand grace. 
Because you go from complete helplessness and desperation to eternity in heaven. And there's nothing you did to merit it. There was nothing good in you to warrant it. And for us in America who live in a very merit, performance, image-oriented culture, that's a tough pill to swallow for some. What do you mean? I'm not a sinner. That's for really bad people. And I'm just saying what I used to say when people would share the gospel with me and talked about all have sinned. I'm not a sinner. What are you talking about? I don't do bad stuff. People are locked up who do bad stuff. They're the ones that need a savior. I don't need a savior. I'm a good person. I'm a moral person. And it wasn't until I understand, understood my lostness spiritually that all have sinned and fallen short applied to me. In desperation, I cried out to Jesus as a savior. And when I was saved by his grace alone, revolutionary, still revolutionary for me. And yet in the church, we can slide away from that. We can drift and stop enjoying it and celebrating it. And like in Galatians, slide from grace and faith into the works. Grace plus, faith plus, right? Nothing you can do to prove that you were warranted it. And then we talked about there's nothing you can do to pay it back. See, some of us in the church, you were taught kind of a false bill of goods, and you were tried, they tried to motivate you to serve and to give and to live for Jesus, to pay him back for his grace, the gift of grace. And I shared last time, I brought, last week I brought up Isaac, and I gave him a gift. And I said, well, if Isaac takes the gift and immediately begins to ponder how to pay me back, he just ruined the gift. The gift just became a debt and an obligation. It's no longer a gift. I just imposed a burden on him. It's called a debtor's ethic. A lot of believers, you're not enjoying the grace of God because you're living under the debtor's ethic. You're still trying to pay God back by going to build a house in Mexico. You're, still, you're really trying to pay God back by serving in kingdom kids. I must get a lot of brownie points for that one. Right? And I, I shared with you before, some of us look like, you know, like God is the great loan shark. And he gave you this loan of grace. And now until Jesus comes back, you're trying to pay off the debt. And we are the, we're the debt collectors, the pastors. Hey, you know, could really use you in youth ministry. You know, and if we're not careful, we can begin to manipulate you. After all that Jesus did for you. You can't give up one night a week for the future of this country. After all that Jesus did for you. Come on. We want you to serve around here because you love Jesus. And our life is just over, to, over we're just filled with grace. The God and, and he, he pours into us and we pour out. Right? And you got to pour out. you got to use your gifts. All right, I was talking with uh, Kai, who's uh, in nursery, and we were talking last Sunday at the Super Bowl party about the message, and he goes, yeah, there's a lot of Dead Sea Christians. 
If you've been to Israel, you know the Dead Sea? You familiar with the Dead Sea, the salt and all that stuff? You know why the Dead Sea is dead? Because there's only an inlet and no outlet. And so everything flows in and it just sits there. And we were talking that when you understand God's grace, you got to let it flow out. In gifts and talents and how you're going to bless others and being an ambassador of reconciliation, there's got to be a flow. Otherwise, even in the church, you could become a Dead Sea Christian. And all you do is come and get fed and get fed and get fed. And then you go to a podcast and get fed. And then you read a book and you get fed and you get fed and you get fed. No, you got to. If God is pouring his grace into you, pour it out. Let it go. And see what happens in your life as you just become a conduit of grace. Right? So you can't prove that you warranted it. You got to stop that. Go back to that. That's a great song. How great the chasm. In desperation, I turned. Okay? Can't prove it. And stop trying to pay it back. You receive a gift and you say, thank you. And you might be overwhelmed by the value of it. Yeah? But don't turn it into a debt. Because that's no longer a gift. Right? So if you're understanding God's grace, it is, it is supernaturally crazy. Right? That even any of us who are saved are saved by grace as we sit here. Amen? Right? It is all of grace. It is all of grace. I was thinking, as we were saying this, this a memory came in. In San Diego, I was at a large church in the Claremont area, which is about 20 minutes out of downtown. And on Thanksgiving, uh, we were on a junior high campus. And so on Thanksgiving, they would turn it into an outreach. And they would open up the locker room and they would get showers for the homeless. People would be cutting hair, resumes, of course, a lot of food, clothing, uh, bank would open. And what would happen is we would jump on the bus. My buddy Chaz, many of you met Chaz when he was here. He, was a, he, he had his bus license. And so in the afternoon, he said, hey, you want to come with me downtown? We're going to park, and then you go run around and invite people to come up, jump on the bus, and we'll drive them back. It's like 20 minutes. I'm like, sure, I'll go. And so we jump on there. We park downtown, and he goes, okay, you got 15, 20 minutes, and we have to go. So I'm going around, and I'm just saying, hey, you want to go? We got things up in Claremont, our church, food, resumes, haircuts. Just come on up. Some people would come, and I'm running around. And I'm looking at my watch, and I come across this older Hispanic guy. He's just sitting on the sidewalk in San Diego. And I say, hey, you know, da, 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 I tell him what we're doing. And he literally looks at me, and the only thing he says is, how do I get saved? That's all he says. How do I get saved? And I'm on the clock because I'm already late. So I recognize I, I only got probably like 30 seconds to a minute with this guy because, you know, I've been running around and i got to get back. And in the best way I could, in 30 seconds to a minute, I gave him grace, the gospel of grace. And we prayed, and then I had to jet back, and I get back on the bus, and Chaz was like, what happened? And I told him, he goes, ah, I figured, right? I don't know what happened to that elderly man, but I do know, in God's grace, if he put his faith in Jesus, he was saved at that moment, And there was nothing he did to warrant it. And there was nothing he could do to pay it back. It was a divine appointment where I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to get people on the bus. And we just meet 
in God's sovereignty. And I share with him the gospel of grace and leave it in the Holy Spirit's hands. That's the craziness and the simplicity of grace, right? And so a response we saw last week is it should be joy and thanksgiving. Joy and thanksgiving, gratitude, right? That's why we do what we do around here, okay? And so we're going to kind of nudge forward today, and we're going to flip the coin, and we're going to go from grace and the salvation to grace and sanctification, now, sanctification is a process. Once, you're, once you become a believer, there's a you know, we, progressive sanctification, which is a journey you're on in following Jesus while you're on this planet to become more and more like Christ. That's sanctification, progressive sanctification. The challenge with us, sometimes in the church, is that we think that grace only applies to salvation. What you're going to see today and moving forward that you need God's grace right now. This very second, as a believer, you are still in need of God's grace. But see, if you tuck it away only to salvation, that might help you to understand why you're feeling stuck or stagnant or not making progress because you're not relying on God's grace. It's still grace because the full definition of grace is unmerited favor and supernatural empowerment. We still need God's grace every single moment of every single day. Amen? It's us who lose sight of that. And then we slide into the flesh. And then we slide into the works because we slide away from grace, right? And so it's interesting. In 2 Corinthians 6.1, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth says this. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Hmm, I didn't even know that was a possibility. What does that mean? Am I receiving God's grace in vain? Remember, he's writing to believers. He's writing to believers, the church at Corinth. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Vain means empty, without result, useless, receive without profit, without the intended effect being achieved. So he says, we urge you not to receive God's grace without the intended effect. There's an intended effect of God's grace in sanctification. There is a purpose for God's grace. It's not just to save us. In sanctification, there is a purpose. But if we don't know the purpose and embrace the purpose, we might have received God's grace in vain. If you know anything about the church at Corinth, there's (laughs) big sin issues And a whole lot of dysfunction. And so in context, we understand why Paul is writing to these believers who have infighting and divisions, selfishness, straight up sin that's not being addressed. He's like, hey, um, guys, girls, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Because the fruit of what's happening here indicates that God's grace is being received in vain. Because the intended effect is not manifesting itself. So if you look at your life, you can do a self-evaluation and say, Lord, what, was your, what is your intended effect? What is your purpose? What is the result you desire by me receiving your grace? What is that? Right? And Sam Storm says this, to receive the grace of God in vain, therefore, 
is not to reject it altogether and live as an unbeliever, nor is it to receive the grace of God and subsequently forfeit or lose its saving power. Rather, Paul is talking about the urgency and importance of the Corinthians responding to God's grace in humble obedience and seizing every opportunity to please the Lord in how they live, speak, act, and perhaps especially in how they respond to his efforts to rebuild and restore a relationship that had been undermined by suspicion, false reports, and the sinister efforts of the false teachers in their city. To receive the grace of God in vain is really to not understand and appropriate its intended purpose. Which is what? Us living a life of humble, joyful, faithful obedience. What we do as believers should flow out of grace. That's the ultimate, that's the motive, that's the core. That's why we're here this morning, is all of God's grace. It's all of God's grace. 2 Peter 1.3, we say this a lot around here. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. What has he given us? Specifically today, grace. Grace. He's given us grace to live a godly life. Are you appropriating that? Do you understand that? Do you know what that means? What does that even mean to, to, to live by grace, right? Because there's a purpose. And I was thinking of that, you know, this past week I came across, um, you ever get like gift cards from your kids or someone, and then you kind of tuck them away in the heat of the moment? You're like, oh, that's cool. I'll just... Well, this past week I was, I was in my room and on my dresser, I found two gift cards from two of my kids from last year. One was Father's Day and I think one was my birthday. I'm like, dude, that's 75 bucks at Amazon. What am I thinking? <laughs> How many of you are like celebrate when you find like a gift card, like you won the lottery? You like find like five bucks in your, but we don't even use paper money, so that's like dating myself. Like, but I find these gift cards and I'm like, these are unused. I have to put them on my Amazon account so that I can use them. Well, in the same way, if you don't understand grace, it's just sitting there unused. It's sitting there. God has given you grace to live a godly life, but you got to redeem it. Otherwise, it's like those gift cards that sat on my dresser for almost a year, unused. Right? And so today, I just want to, uh, to speak to the fact that grace has a purpose. There is a purpose. Romans 5, 17. For if because of one man's trespass, he's talking about Adam, death reigned through that one man, right? The fall of Adam, death comes in. Separation from God. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is like an incredible memory verse because this verse tells us When you receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, the purpose is that you can reign. 
Can I get an amen? Well, let me think about that raining thing. Hmm. Can you put that back up? Uh, Josie, are you on there? Thank you, Josie. It's awesome. I'm going to come way over here because this... Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of grace reign in life. If you receive the abundance of God's grace, the the intended purpose is for you to live victoriously now. Receiving is designed for reigning. Can I get an amen? I was like, ah. I don't know. If someone were to tell me, like, dude, you can live victoriously, and you don't have to be in bondage to that sin and that old habit that you've been trying to kick, you can have victory, and you can reign over that. You can reign in your tongue. You can reign in your thoughts. You can reign in how you steward money. You can reign in, and you can put to death the old person. I would probably say amen. Amen. We receive grace to reign in life. We don't receive grace for more rules in life. But that's what we make Christianity. We were saved by grace through faith. Amen, amen, amen. Now we live by rules. (laughs) Says our worship leader. (laughs) Mark, we receive salvation by grace. Now we Rain. Thank you, thank you. That's the disconnect. And if you can connect that today, I'm going to call this a victory. If you can can simply connect that you as a recipient of God's grace are purposed and designed to now reign in life, we win. Because that is what the devil does not want you to know. The devil wants to tie you up in knots and keep you in bondage to your old self. You're never going to be any different. You're never going to kick that habit. You're always going to be depressed. You're always going to, you're always going to, always going to, always going to. You're a loser. You're defeated. Just slosh along and bear your cross until Jesus comes back or you go to the pearly gates. That's what a lot of believers, that's the, that, somehow we adopt that. We receive God's grace by faith. We celebrate it for about six months. And then someone starts talking to us about all the things we need to do and how we have to pay back God and we have to prove that he he should have saved us. And suddenly over time, we carry these bags and burdens. And I'm just burning, I'm just, it's my burden to bear. I'm just trying to pay him back for all he did. Come on, man. That is not grace. God says, receive my grace and be saved Receive my grace and reign. 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 That means to live victoriously. Right? On the authority of God's word. Uh, Josie, can you put that back up again? Romans 5, 17. Much more. Right? Will those, if you're a those, if you're a believer, put your hand up. This is, you're a those, those, because you've received God's grace. And the free gift of righteousness. Don't forget that. That means if you're a believer, you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Amen? Right. Okay. It's not even your righteousness. It's Jesus. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness 
reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but, you know, when I grew up, I lived in a pretty, you know, challenging part of San Diego, South San Diego, and it wasn't always pleasant to go to school, always wasn't pleasant to try to get home, deal with stuff. And at a certain point, you got to say, enough. I'm tired of being bullied. I'm tired of whatever. And then along comes this verse, and it says, you know what? If you receive God's grace, you're not called to be a victim anymore. You are called to live in victory. And a lot of believers still live in victimhood. I am not discounting what you've been through, because I've been through some crazy stuff in my life that I still rears its head. But I approach these issues not as a victim. I approach them in victory in Jesus. I used to think that, well, that's just my lot. That's bad stuff happened to me. I can't erase the memories, and it's just going to hound me for the, all my days on this planet. I used to think that even as a believer. I bought into this victim mentality. And then along come these verses. What? I'm to reign in life? I'm to have victory in life? Are you kidding me? What? I'm no longer a slave to sin? Amen? The power of sin is broken, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 57, we're going to skip up there. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you want to be on the winning team? How many of you celebrate you are on the winning team? Remember, Jesus' victory is our victory. Jesus' victory is your victory. You receive his abundant grace to reign in this life, not to slosh your way through it. It doesn't mean there's not trials and tribulations. It doesn't mean you're, you're challenged at work and finances and health. It doesn't mean any of that doesn't come up. We don't bury our head in the sand. But what we do in grace, in faith, in who we are in Christ, we can stand up and face life courageously. We don't have to shy away from life. We don't have to fear life. We don't have to live in worry and anxiety because Jesus' victory is my victory. Because I have received his abundant grace and righteousness, I can reign, and so can you. Doesn't mean you're not going to have trials and tribulations. Doesn't mean it's going to take everything in God's grace to get you through 24 hours. But by golly, you do it with a heart and an attitude of victory. Amen? That's how you approach life. It changes your approach to life. You are no longer a victim. Your victory is in Jesus. Signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. That's crazy, right? And here's the crazy thing. It was all unmerited. (laughs) We did nothing to warrant it and nothing to pay it back. That's the nutso of God's grace. Right? Wayne Barber says this. To reign in life is the much more effect that Jesus has had for you and me. Did you know that victory for the Christian is not a goal? We don't work toward victory. We come from it. It's already been won in Jesus Christ. We rule and reign in his life. In other words, the moment I surrender to him, the moment I surrender to his word, then his life in me begins to strengthen me to be and to do what I never could do before. Amen? 
what I could never do before. I told you, when the Bible says you are a new creation, it's not a better version of yourself. It is new as in never existed before. I've put up there, you know, the new car models versus the prototypes that never existed before. You're the prototype that never existed before. You're not just the latest Sonata. You're just not the 2024 Sonata. No, you're the new one that has never existed before. And if you've been to car shows and you see the prototypes, what do you do? You go, oh, dude, I hope they make that one because I've never seen that before. Well, when the Bible says you're a new creation, that's you. You're not just trying to keep cleaning up yourself. That's not. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about walking in newness of life by God's grace on this grand adventure to be who you've never been before. That's what makes it an adventure. That's where we got to go. That's raining. That's raining. Okay? I'm going to close with two examples. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, you know that what he, he was Saul, persecutor of the church before he came to faith. 1 Corinthians 15 in the New King James says this. This is the Apostle Paul giving his testimony. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. I love that. The Apostle Paul had a healthy, realistic assessment of where he was before Jesus, persecuting the church. He understood he was unworthy, and he understood it was all God's grace. Amen? Then he took God's grace, and he worked really hard. He labored. He didn't just sit on his laurels. He actually used God's gifting to fulfill God's calling, but it was all of God's grace too. Amen? See, when you receive God's grace and you're saved and you live by God's grace daily, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. When you have your habits change, your words change, how you handle your time, money, when you just have an incredible transformation and someone says, what happened to you? You go, I know, it's crazy. The grace of God, I am what I am. You're just glorifying God because God's grace is designed to glorify God. That's what we do here. It's all of God's grace. So that's the apostle Paul who embraced grace and used grace as a motivator and a launcher, right, into transformation. But in the Old Testament, there's King Saul. And in context, King Saul has already been chosen by God to be the next king of Israel privately. But now in 1 Samuel 10, they're going to have a public ceremony, and Samuel is going to publicly present Saul as the next king over Israel. It's now it's going from private to public. But there's a problem. There is a problem at the ceremony. 1 Samuel 10, 21, 22. They're looking for Saul. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, is there man, a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. So they're having this big thing, and they're like, dun 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 Wait, where's Saul? And they're like, Lord, is, there, is it someone else other than Saul? Oh, no, it's Saul. I've chosen Saul. He's just hiding in the baggage. In some versions, it says he's hiding in the stuff. See, 
Saul was running from his calling to reign. And he was hiding in the baggage. And I just wonder, what's keeping us from reigning? What in your life and my life are we hiding behind? And we're called from Romans 5, 17, the reign. We live victoriously. Our victory is in Jesus. And we're like, do-do-do-do, and here's Bill Burr. Like, where's Bill? I think he's hiding in the bathroom. Bill, get out here. We're called to reign. We're called to be more than conquerors in Christ, right? But are you hiding? Are you hiding in the baggage, in the stuff of life. What prevents you from receiving the abundance of God's grace, understanding who you are in Christ, and going forth in victory right now? Like, literally, like when you leave here. To leave here differently, with a victor's mentality and not a victim's. Amen? Like, literally, some of you came in here with kind of like this beat up, woe is me, Life is hard, and I'm just going to be this way. I'm praying that at least one of you will leave here or turn off your TV at home and go, wait, I've received God's grace. I'm called to reign in life. I don't have to be a victim anymore. That's the power of God's grace. So Brian Bell asked some really good questions about this story with King Saul, and here's what he says. Ask yourself, am I hiding among the baggage? When it came time for being used by God, Saul was nowhere to be found. Even after God had equipped him, he was hiding out, ignoring one of the primary missions God had given him. Even after, even after God had equipped us, many of us are hiding out, ignoring one of the primary missions God had given us. What baggage are you hiding behind? Often we hide among the baggage because of our baggage. Maybe the baggage of failing to trust God. The baggage of the fear of man. The baggage of self-negativism, the baggage of religiosity, the baggage of unforgiveness, the baggage of unconfessed sin, the baggage of complacency, the baggage of self-absorption. Maybe it's just hiding in busyness. That's an easy place to hide in our culture. We have accumulated much baggage over the years. Let us get out from amongst the baggage. Let us give our baggage to the Lord. Let us be freed from the burden of carrying them. Amen? God in his grace gives you his grace 24, 7, 365 to live victoriously no matter what the circumstances are. Amen? But we have to choose. Here's the, here's the key. We have to choose to stop hiding behind the baggage. We got to choose to let it go. Now, in doing that, that might mean counseling. That might mean involving some people to pray and work through these issues to help you come out from hiding. I get that. I've been there. I'm still there at times where I need people to come in and they listen to my stories and I'm like, dude, sometimes this gets in my head and I just kind of go down the rabbit hole. We need people. We need people in our life because sometimes things happen in our life and we, we become triggered and we want to go back to hiding. And if that's you, I'm right there. There's things that come up in what I do in a living and just in my life and in an instant... If I'm not careful, I want to go hide behind the baggage. It triggers me back to San Diego. I get that. And in those moments, 
when I'm feeling like this, sometimes I'll call somebody. Sometimes I'll text. But what I have to do and what I've learned to do is catch myself and say, Lord, I got to stop right now. You've given me your grace. I got to remember who I am in Christ. I got to remember you're bigger than all this. And I got to reframe everything. That's part of my sanctification journey. That's where I am. So I'm not saying it's easy. What I am saying is that I've had to embrace and truly believe God's word and what it says about his grace and who I am in Christ. Amen? That's what we have to do. 1 Peter 2.9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's you and me. That we, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. There's your mission. That's who you are, and your mission is, in God's grace, go out there and declare his praises by how you live, how you talk. Let your life declare his praises. Amen? Not everyone's called to do what I do or do music or be an evangelist or you can even go on a mission trip. You can declare God's praises tomorrow at work in how you treat people. You can declare God's praises at lunch and how you treat the wait staff wherever you go. Declare God's praises because of who you are in God's grace, right? And finally, Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's God's grace. Ray Stedman says this. If we barely manage to win our way to heaven by the skin of our teeth, we could be said to be a conqueror. But a more than conqueror is someone who takes the worst that life can throw at him or her. And uses that to become victorious. More than conqueror is one who, by the grace and the gift of God, and in the strength of God within him, actually takes the very things that are designed to destroy him, and they become stepping stones instead of stumbling blocks. That is being more than a conqueror. Amen? So today, by God's grace, turn a stumbling block into a stepping stone. By God's grace, purpose that you are going to live victoriously and you are going to reign in life. Purpose by God's grace that you're not going to live in a victim mentality anymore, but you're going to live in the victory of Jesus. That's all of God's grace. It's all of God's grace. And if God is calling you to do something, whether it's ministry or serving or something in the uncharted water and territory, here's the grand adventure. Do it by God's grace. You might be scared, you might fumble and bumble, you might not know what you're doing initially, but it's all by God's grace, amen? That is the adventure of following Jesus, amen? Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you. You say in Romans that those who receive your abundant grace and the gift of righteousness, we are called, we are purposed to reign in life. Through Jesus. Thank you. And so, Father, I ask you, as only you can do, speak to our hearts here, online, wherever we are. You know us. And first and foremost, if someone here has never received the gift of salvation by grace, we're saved by grace through faith.
not by works, lest anyone should boast. If you recognize your need on the front end for salvation, for a savior, by grace, just like that old man in downtown San Diego, how can I be saved? You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would put your faith in Jesus. Receive God's gift this morning. It's nothing you did to warrant it, nothing you can ever do to pay it back. It is a gift. And if that's your desire, say, Father, thank you. By faith, I'm receiving the gift of salvation. I'm putting my faith in Jesus the best way I know how. I'm believing Jesus died and rose from the dead, and I'm trusting Jesus alone for my salvation. Thank you for your grace. It's all of you. It's nothing I did to warrant it, nothing I can do to ever pay you back. I'm receiving the gift of grace, salvation through faith in Jesus this morning. And if you're a believer and maybe you've drifted from grace, you haven't been celebrating it, you haven't been enjoying it, you slid into rule keeping rather than reigning, then this morning confess that to God. Father, please forgive us. The enemy would like to have us believe that we are victims. But scripture says we are victors. The enemy would have us be defeated. But scripture says we are more than conquerors. So Father, I pray for every person here. I pray that the power of your grace, the truth of your grace would permeate our lives personally, into our marriages, into our parenting, into our workplaces, everywhere. That we would declare your praises because of your grace. And that we would live by grace 24-7, 365. Hey, we had a Super Bowl party here on Sunday. If you were here, our blue by let's see, let's see some hands in here. Okay. It was a fluid event. People came, they went, they came back. Collectively, there were at least 50 people here, 40 all day long at one time for several hours. We had some serious food. Look at this, look at this lineup here. We've got meatballs, chili sausage, potato salad, mac salad, cheese sliced. Uh, there were sandwiches. There was a dessert table. You can kind of roll through those. It was unbelievable. We had uh, the tech team, unbelievable. A TV going in the commons, two out here. People were everywhere coming and going. I witnessed the flock literally meeting each other for the first time. Maybe you come to church, you sit here, they sit there. People got together. People got to know each other as couples. It was a terrific time. So we had a great uh, opportunity there. You got any more food picks there? Oh, Okay. <laughs> This was on the table. If you're interested, it's still in the commons, that one. Everything else is gone. Uh, everybody pitched in and helped out as regarding cleanup. We were vacuuming. We were cleaning tables. We had trash bags. It was really well received. Now, I've got to say, there was some concern about men's behavior at this type of an event. And I am happy to say that the men were just spot on, gracious, polite gentlemen, uh, nothing to be concerned about. They ate food. They cleaned up. They, it, was just, it was just wonderful. And I've got to say, we had at least 15 women here. 
So it wasn't just the guys. And they thoroughly enjoyed themselves. Let's take a look at what that might have looked like at the end of the game. They were seeing something. I apologize. I don't know what was going on. But the, the gals were enthusiastic. That's the point I want to make. They were jumping up and down. We had penalty flags, thanks to Pat. We were, something questionable happened on the field. They're throwing the flags in there, picking them up. It was all good. A great game, but great fellowship of believers in this church. We had a terrific time, and I believe the consensus is that we're going to make this an annual event as long as it's done. So thank you. All right. Well, yesterday we also had an annual meeting, and uh, it was a great turnout. We had some new people come, and if you're not familiar with the format of our annual meetings, uh, it's really two sides of the same coin. We spend time celebrating and praising God for what he did last year in calendar year of 2023. That's also our fiscal year. And then we share a vision for uh, what we believe God wants to do uh, in 2024 and beyond. And uh, one of the things that I shared in celebration of uh, 2023, and even before that, has been really the growth and the impact of women's ministry here at uh, The Well, and uh, particularly recently under Kathy Bodycomb and her team, the faithful ladies that have come served in different seasons. Uh, I met with Kathy a couple weeks ago, and, and shared the, she shared with me the calendar and the vision for women's ministry moving into 2024, and I, I'm excited about it. Um, but we really do celebrate and uh, in much the same way of uh, a Super Bowl party or any other the ministries here, the, the root and the core of everything we do here is relationship. It's relationship with the Lord and it's relationship with one another. And uh, Kathy and her team uh, have done and continue to do uh, an incredible job ministering to the women here at the well and really in the, in the valley. And so what we wanted to do, we're still kicking off 2024, is do something a little bit different, is we wanted to carve out time uh, to let Kathy come up and share her heart, her passion, even the vision for the women's ministry here at The Well. We know that uh, we've been blessed with many uh, new families that have come in the last year, six months, and so you may not even have had a chance to meet Kathy or the team and, and even get to know her and her heart. Uh, she is passionate in her faith and her walk with Jesus, and she's passionate for the women at The Well to know Jesus, and to know one another, and to share the journey together. So, Kathy, why don't you come on up and share with us about women's ministry. Thanks, Richie. Never been introduced before. <laughs> um, well, welcome. Uh, my name is Kathy Bodycomb. Uh, uh, I am part of the women's ministry team, which includes uh, three other women, Sue Brzezowski. You want to wave your hand, Sue? <laughs> Christine Hodge, are you here today? And Cynthia Wilson are also part of the team. Um, and it does take a team for us to do what we do. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about what we do and why we do it um, to share that with you. So um, we believe that the women... Uh, together can have a unique uh, opportunity and roles in each other's lives. So we are carving out some spaces for women to do that, to minister to each other. We care about each other. We can listen. We can discover each other's stories. Um, we can support each other, and we can become friends. And our friendships 
can then, we can pursue the Lord together in those friendships. So the mission statement of the well begins, we are passionate followers of Jesus Christ. So whatever we women do to enhance our relationship with the Lord, we can build um, strong character. We can build being strong Christian women. But the purpose of it is, is to have a strong body. It's not just that the women are more um, growing in their uh, relationship with the Lord on an individual basis, but that we contribute that to the body as a whole. Um, So the women's ministry, uh, that we do encourage each other and give back to the body, and we have just kind of created some ways to do that um, through Bible studies, uh, through worship time, through prayer time, uh, through serving in our communities, um, and just even fun events. We have some workshops and just kind of fun events to get to know each other. So we've done those, and as our team, we have um, looked back on last year and said, what did we do? Did it work? Did it not work? You know, and very generously, the Lord has blessed those times last year. So we're kind of doing some of the same things we did last year, this year as well, and adding some new things to that uh, as well. So a couple things kind of getting to our announcement here is um, we are going to have a worship evening, March 16th, uh, 7 o'clock here uh, uh, in the Commons. Um, and that will be kind of our first event for uh, uh, for the women. Uh, we do have more things planned, um, so we're still working on all those things as well. The other thing is we have developed is a women's uh, survey. So we'd like to hear from you what you enjoyed, what works for you, uh, how you can fit in, how you can become part of other women's lives, how you can give back uh, to the church or to the community. Uh, so we want to hear from you. They're in the back on the back table as you leave. If you grabbed one coming in, feel free to uh, fill it out while Richie's speaking. But just just kidding, Richie. <laughs> but... Um, but we'd like to hear from you. So please fill this out. Um, we'll also be distributing them to you. I'll just grab anybody, any woman I can see, and give you a copy of this. Uh, it'll also be online. We're working on that. Uh, I think it'll be up this week sometime. But it'll also be, if you go under women's ministry, there should be the same form that you can fill out online. But if you'd like the hard copy, grab one, fill it out, bring it back, either give it to me, somebody on our team, uh, just kind of hand it to somebody, it'll get to me. Um, but I wanted to um, encourage you with two things um, to the women. And one is uh, to pray. Uh, a very wise person that I live with uh, said to a group of uh, men recently, um, it's about a, kind, of, kind of in the context of just living, just life, um, It's about your heart and your choices. Um, And there is no better place than in prayer uh, to not only just to talk to God, but a place as in his presence every time your attention is turned to him and your heart is turned to him, that it will not, it will change you every time. It'll reveal your heart. It'll bless your heart. um, It'll align your heart. um, There is no better place than in his presence to bring your mind and your heart, but in the presence of the Lord. 
and I know it's difficult when you work full-time. I know it's difficult when you have kids. It is nearly impossible when you do both <laughs> um, that I know. So, um, But be creative in thinking about having a place, having some time to just spend time with the Lord. Again, just bringing your mind and your heart and your attention into his presence. Um, and to do that regularly, not just when, you know... Things are not going so well, but just on a regular basis to have some time with the Lord. And the other thing is just to read the Bible, read scripture. There is no other place more to find out who God is than reading um, in the Bible. Um, It's 66 books, almost 40 authors, over almost 2,000 years, and yet it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, So, read scripture, find out who the Lord is, read a gospel, find out who Jesus is and what he said and what he did. Find out what the very first believers did and what those leaders of those, of that group, the letters they wrote to other churches, find out what it says and then go back to the beginning. How did this all start and where has God intervened in human history and who is he? Who is he like? Uh, uh, Jen Wilkins wrote a book, The Women of the Word, and I love this line that she has in it. The heart cannot love what the mind doesn't know. So please just dig in, find some time again to pray and to dig in uh, to scripture and read a little bit of scripture on a regular basis. So as we're grounded, as we grow, as we flourish together, Uh, Women's ministry is here to enhance, if we can, your relationship with the Lord, but also to bring us together as our body.